Mark 5. And let's start at verse 21, and we're going to read down through to verse 24. Mark chapter 5. Let's begin. Verse 21, read together. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Word of God for the people of God. Praise be to God. You may take your seats. For all of you, you realize that I have been doing a teaching series on handling life's challenges. And very interestingly enough, as we've been talking over the last few weeks, what we've been trying to discover are the ways we can deal with what happens to us. I, um, I'm like Paul today. I preach to myself also, lest I be a castaway. I, each of us right now are in the midst of something. And the reality is that our own insecurities are part of the factor that keeps us from dealing appropriately with it. And people don't like to talk about their own insecurities, but we all have them. We have insecurities about our weight, and nobody, you know, it, it, please don't talk about how much or how little, you know, because if you're slight of build, it's just as bad as if you're overweight. Because people look at you and say, Lord, child, you need a pizza. <laughs> and it, you know, really, it, it, it's, not, it's not as though anybody gets away. Fat shaming is big these days. But then if you're not big enough, people talk about you that way as well. Your hair, is it long? Is it short? What color is it? Is it yours? <laughs> Is it yours? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's yours if you pay for it. That's what someone just said. The truth of the matter is there are a lot of insecurities. And a lot of those insecurities come with public perception. Those insecurities are founded on the fact that we worry what people are going to think about us if we're going through that. And the whole issue of public perception is one of the things that, that causes us not to do or to do. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, my mother was one who always reminded me of my name. And she would, she would go out and she would tell me, don't do anything that'll bring shame to, you, to your name or to the name of this family. You know, I, and I, I tell my children, I've told them from the day they were born, whenever they left my presence, make us proud. And I'm sure I've also put in them an insecurity by, by the fact that they always wonder what's going to make me proud and what's not going to make me proud. What's going to make my wife proud, what's not going to make her proud. And I'm sure that also creates in them, on hindsight now, had I known, I don't know how I would have handled it, but in hindsight I think about it, I'm sure it created in them an insecurity. And each of us deals with it our own way. 
I know some of you look at me like, what do you mean insecurity? And insecurity simply suggests that it's something that will bother us on the inside intimately. And in some cases, we don't talk about it and we don't realize it until someone presses one of our buttons. Matter of fact, you might even thought you had gotten over it. You know, I, I, um, I, I happen to have the repercussions from one of my ailments at one point when I was little. So one of my eyes is kind of lazy. It kind of leans a little bit closed. I forget all about it until somebody that doesn't know me, never seen me before, looks at me and says, hmm. And yet I kind of, I didn't realize it, huh? I didn't realize it was lazy. I didn't realize nothing wrong with it. And most of y'all don't pay no attention because I'd be wearing all these fine, funky glasses. And be like, be like, what kind of glasses he got on this week? <laughs> yeah, it is funny. But, but remember now, it all relates to public perception. What will people think of me? Do you know how many people have, have lost their lives worrying about what somebody else is going to think? And about issues they had no control over? What someone else is going to think? And it's funny, that the main ones of us who say, I don't care what you think about me. I don't care. I'm grown. A whole lot of that bluster and that boisterousness is a cover-up for your insecurity. <laughs> the more insecure you feel, the louder you talk. You ain't fooling nobody. And I suppose that a part of what, of what handling our life's challenges this series has been about is dealing with just that. How do we handle it when something goes wrong? I shared the other day, and, and I, with uh, one of my classes, I was talking to the students about the fact that it must have been a difficult day when Fred Price and his lovely wife had to confront her cancer. He's taught faith in a marvelous way. God has built a tremendous ministry. God has blessed them above and beyond. Oh, he's a fantastic fantastic teacher, written numerous books, God to heal. You don't, you don't even have to worry about being sick. And now sickness comes, and he's challenged. They dealt with it admirably. God bless them. Must have been a horrible day when T.D. Jakes had to handle the fact that his daughter was pregnant and wasn't married. Here I am. T.D. Jakes, Megafest, Manpower, Woman Thou Art Loose. I've got a daughter with a child out of wedlock. Horrible day when his son is caught in a lewd act. Horrible day. What's he supposed to do? Put his head down? Act like, act like the world just came to an end? Forget life. You know, I know, I, and I jokingly go back to that, and jokingly in, in, in some sense, but not complete a joke. 
I, I often go back to that statement that I heard, and I've used it here several times. What will your sins cost me? I asked the young bishop candidate that one time, tell me, is there anything in your past that's going to come up that's going to bring shame on this organization? Because I at least want to know what we're getting into. I can deal with it if I know up front. The truth of the matter is we spend a lot of time worrying about what people think and not enough time just chasing God for ourselves. Okay, I've, I've used this one, y'all, I've used this before. And, and that is that I subscribe to a one to a box theory. And you look at me like you don't know what that is. Everybody's got to die for themselves. So what you choose to do is what you do. I gotta chase God for me. For me. I gotta peek my chase after God for the blessings I know God has for me. I can't worry about what anybody thinks. I thought about that today because when we look again at this, this story here, this, this, this ruler of the synagogue, the Bible intentionally gives us his position in the synagogue. And I almost said in the church, but in the synagogue. It intentionally gives us that. It intentionally juxtaposes this man's position to Jesus. And it puts this man standing there looking at Jesus in need of a blessing, knowing that the crowd, now mind you, this, this scenario here has where Jesus is followed by a throng. Anybody who's ever read the New Testament know that there are numerous times when Jesus was alone. And there are times when he's only with the 12. And there are times when he's resting. He has to come up to Jesus in the midst of the crowd. Perception be darned. What I need, only Jesus has. What I want, only Jesus can give. And I need a miracle. I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get mine. I'm going to ask for it. And matter of fact, I, I know what it means with what I'm asking. And humility is on me so that if anybody wonders if I'll be humble in the presence of a prophet who does not have a title, this is a titleless prophet. He has not come up in the school of prophets to be raised as a prophet, to take some prophetic place. Or at least if you're Elisha, you got the mantle from Elijah. He has no mantle. His portfolio is a portfolio of deeds. But his deeds are worthy. And he bows down and he puts his request in. Now he's already pressed himself He's already done a lot. He's already pushed the envelope. And as if that wasn't enough, while he is 
ready to get his miracle. And Jesus is walking with him. They're going to get the miracle. Master, my daughter, who's at the point of death, 12 years old, I point this out because it's important. She's still young enough that she's under his covering. Y'all missed that. I know it went right over your head. Can I help somebody here? There's a certain stage and age when no matter how much your child is in your heart and no matter how much you'd like to cover them, you can't. She is still at the point where she is under his covering. And under his covering, he realizes that if anybody is going to advocate for her, it's going to be me. If anybody's going to be humiliated on her behalf, it's going to be me. If anybody's going to be made low and humbled on her behalf, it's going to be made me. If anybody has to hasten on her behalf, it will be me. But at a certain stage, when they're no longer under your covering, and they get a blessing, and somebody say, uh, what happened here? Mama and daddy said, he's of age. Ask him. They're responsible for themselves. She's 12 years old. Watch this. Look at the text. Jesus is walking along with him. And then we have the intrusion, which I'm not going to deal with tonight again because I, that's not the focus of where I want to be, but the intrusion of this woman who comes up and hijacks a blessing. You know, I'm just glad Jesus is not a genie with three wishes and already gave out two. Because if that was the last blessing, I'd be upset. Somebody got to die. I got to cut you, it's the rule. Bernie Mac this thing, listen. <laughs> she, she jumps the line, crawls on the ground, does a sneak attack, grabbed the man's clothes. I didn't even touch him. I fell down in front of him. She come up from behind, sneaks a blessing by faith. Well, what make her faith better than my faith? I got faith. And in the midst of this situation, he is delayed. And here's the first point I want to offer tonight. And, and it comes between verse 25 and verse 35. Because that whole story of the woman with the issue of blood is right there. But drop down, if we can, drop down to verse 31. But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, you just snatched a blessing. Oh, your faith <laughs> has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of synagogue's house and who said, your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher 
any further. This daughter got my daughter's blessing. No, she didn't. She got the one God intended for her. First thing I want you to remember is this. Don't fret understandable delays. Don't fret understandable delays. You know, the one thing I can't stand, and I'm glad Brother Charles is here tonight, his favorite song that he hates. <laughs> Brother Lamont, I don't mind waiting. <laughs> he can't stand that song. They ask him to sing it. It's almost as though he's saying with his face. He's never told me this personally, but he's made indications well enough to other people in the sanctuary that I know it's the truth. Because in his mind, I do mind waiting. <laughs> he would change the song. He, let's play that right here. He changed the song. His blood child's version. I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of waiting on the Lord. I'm tired of waiting. You, he's smiling right now, y'all. <laughs> I'm tired of waiting on the Lord. <laughs> and it, the truth be told, I think, I think why, one of the reasons why some of y'all are laughing, because while you have never said it, you felt it. Many of us uh, feel like, like Daniel, we got a prayer hung up in heaven. And we're waiting on an angel to come break that thing free. I don't know. But I do will tell you this. Delays cause people to do strange things. So much so that one of Jesus' major warnings to his disciples was to know that human or our timing and divine timing are out of sync. Our urgency and divine urgency don't align. So don't do anything silly while you're waiting. Write this scripture down. Matthew chapter 24, 42 through 51. The same scripture is complemented in Luke chapter 12, 41 through 48. I'm going to go to Luke chapter 12. I'm going to use that one for a moment. Luke 12, 41 through 48. If you have your Bibles, turn with me there. And I'm reading from the King James Version tonight. Then Peter said unto him, Lord, speaketh thou this parable unto us and even to all? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward? whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, had, when he cometh, shall find uh, so doing. Of a truth I say unto you, that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But, if, but and if that servant say in his heart, my Lord delayeth. Well, see, here we go. Because he done waited around, I got, to do, I got stuff to do. 
My Lord delayeth his coming and shall begin to beat the men servant and maid servant and eat and drink and be drunken. The Lord of the servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him and at an hour when he is not aware and will cut him in sunder and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much of him will ask the more. Let me, let me say this again. When you know better, you ought to do better. And the delay doesn't mean the Lord's not coming. And, and, and now I'm not talking end of times, perusia or the second coming. I'm talking about God's not coming to your situation. Just because God doesn't move quickly doesn't mean God's not moving. Just because God doesn't do it as fast as you want, I know sometimes we want it quick, fast, and in a hurry. It doesn't always work that way. You know, a miracle many times happens instantaneously. A healing takes time. Deliverance can happen instantaneously. But some breakthroughs take time. And just because you don't see everything you want to see immediately does not give you a license to give up on waiting. Yeah, I know it's never easy. Write down Exodus 32, 1 through 14. I won't read it. But I said that, you know, Exodus 32, 1 through 14. I repeat again. Delays cause people to do strange things. And, and, and it is in Exodus 32 that the, the children of Israel go stupid. Moses doesn't come down from the mountain quick enough. And all of a sudden they get all upset and they start making images against God's will. I want to point out to you that it's easy to lose confidence that God's going to fix it because you're continually going through it. But just because you're going through it doesn't mean that God's not working on it. Let me say it again. Just because you're going through it doesn't mean God's not working on it. Um, I know a young lady one time was praying for her husband, and uh, she was praying, and she almost got hooked up with the wrong dude, and the Lord told her to wait. She had no idea that God had her husband under construction. He was reshaping that rascal, taking all those things out of him that he used to be, making him into the man he wanted him to be. By the time she got him, she thought he was the perfect man. And, and, and you know, the truth is, she should have seen him before the Lord got a hold of him. Because if she had saw him then, she wouldn't have wanted nothing to do with him. He was doing everything. Or should I say everybody? 
Not somebody. Everybody. <laughs> she thinks you ought to thank God she waited. Let God fix that rascal up. Won't he do it? Number one, number one, don't fret understandable delays. Sometimes what God is delaying is for your good. You know, you, you got to realize, just let, let take your time. Let it take your time. Let God take his time. You know, I, I've seen business transactions where I'm ready to make a quick move, and God said, not today. Next day, not today. And then all of a sudden, God said, right now. And what was supposed to be one price ends up becoming a wholly different price. Because the person that was selling got scurred. I'm, I'm serious. Or what was even worse, there's nothing worse than, than you being a few days before a major sale. So you running in there to buy that item that they already know is going to be on sale in a week. But you don't know it's going to be on sale. So you don't pay full price. And now you try to bring it back and they try to give you the receipt for the sale price. No. See, I know some of y'all would try and turn it out. And sometimes people will be intimidated by your bluster. Other times they'll tell you to go jump in the river. Real quick, number two. Number two. And it's in the text. And verse 35 says, while he's speaking, some come from the ruler's house and said, your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard it, verse 36 now, verse 36, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. The second thing you want to know, don't fear utter disappointment. Don't fear utter disappointment. Now, I need to say this to you because I know you, you're on the Lord's side. You're on your way to heaven, glad about it. You've been shouting, speaking in tongues, running in the Holy Ghost. You, you can hook him a son with the best of them. How can I see coming on a Honda riding a Harley Davidson? You're good. You got it all down. There's nothing like doing everything right and having everything go wrong. Somebody say, teach, Pastor. Because the more you do right, the more you have this expectancy by Scripture, by life, that right ought to come to you. I did good. Good ought to come as a result. Hate to tell you this. It's the truth. The equation doesn't always work out smoothly. Being a believer is not a shield against disappointment. It's not a sign that you're, the disappointment is not a sign that God isn't favoring you or God doesn't love you or God hates you. No, 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 no. It's a reality check. The truth is that he's standing there and all of a sudden, he hears the news. Death has entered your home. 
He went there at near death. We're at death now. He went there nearly running on E. We are empty now. He went there with a partial hole. It's a full hole now. And you can only imagine the fear and disappointment that overwhelmed him. Have you ever had that experience? Where you were afraid and disappointed at the same time? I don't know about you, but I've been there more times than I want to recall. The reality is that at that point, it would have been an easy place for him to throw his hands up. You know, I, um, I've been watching um, some of these athletes here lately of how they handle disappointment and fear. And, and it gets to me, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a real big fan. I'm not a, 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 a fan, just say, of the Dallas Cowboys, but I like, I like players. Dallas Cowboys had a great wide receiver on their team, and I don't want to blow out anybody's name, and I'm not trying to hurt anybody or talk about them. But great wide receiver, but whenever things didn't go his way, he would blow up on the sideline. He'd start yelling. He'd kick things. My team has a great wide receiver. Whenever things don't go his way, he'd blow up on the sideline. Kick the field, kick the field goal to a punter's net one time and knock this up in the head. I'm just saying. I, I've seen athletes get so mad that things didn't go right. Punch a mirror, cut the hand all up, can't play. How stupid is that? It's amazing. Can, can I tell you, you, you probably wonder where I'm going here. I want to give you this. How you handle your fears and your disappointments are a testament to your real character. See, anybody knows how to celebrate. Hey, wave your hands in the air and wave them like you just don't care. If you know like I know, then somebody say, oh yeah. The roof, the roof, the roof is over. We don't need no water. <laughs> Celebrate good times. Come out. Do, 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 do. We good at that. But we don't handle disappointment well. Yeah. And, and, and in truth, and in truth, I, I, my son, when he was playing basketball years ago, played football, and, um, and sometimes he'd not make a play or wouldn't get in, and his body language would change. You see his shoulders droop, or you see him you know, kind of looking funky. Even if he had a uniform on, you could tell. Body language. I said to that boy, I said, son, I need you to understand something. The coach may not hear whatever it is you think you're saying, but he can read your body. And if I read a player's body that looks like that, I ain't putting them in. He said, for real? 
I said, for real? I said, just, it don't matter what happens. Just act like you ready to play. Get your game face on. I'm ready to get in the game. I may be disappointed right now, but I'm still ready to play. Ready to do my thing. And see, believers, some of y'all been getting knocked down and staying down. Yeah. And let me tell you this now. Once the devil knows that if he knocks you down, you won't get back up in a hurry, he'll find ways, even the most subtle ways, to trip you up. Because he knows, man, all I got to do is knock her down. I knock that booger down, she ain't moving. Woo! One more out the game, one more out the game. All I got to do is give them a little hardship. They ain't praying no more. They're going to skip prayer this week. I'm going to make them skip prayer. Watch me make them skip prayer. Watch this, watch this, watch this. They won't pray no more. I'm going to let them pray real, real hard. I'm going to mess it up. I'm going to stop them. Let me tell you something. Your character is seen in how you deal with disappointment. Jesus gave him the greatest object lesson right there. He looked at him. He said, man, you'll mess up a faith miracle now if you enter into the spirit of fear. This woman just got a miracle based on faith. If you want a miracle, you've got to hold that fear back, bind it up inside of yourself. Guess what? Guess what? I'm going to bless your socks off now. It ain't the devil that's doing it to you. It's your own emotional energy. It's your own personality. It's how you dealt with things, how you've been dealing with for life. And you've got to overcome yourself and tell yourself, no, we're not giving into the spirit of fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. I walk in divine favor. I'm letting the spirit of fear rule my life. The blood of Jesus. Every fear thought, the blood of Jesus. Every disappointed tear, the blood of Jesus. I may not be able to change a thing, but Jesus can. And even if he doesn't, it won't be because he wasn't able. Jesus, it's going to be all right. I walk in it. Don't fear utter disappointment. I, I think what I'm also trying to tell you, um, this is not going to be as sweet as the last part. So don't get mad. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. Don't get mad when I say this to you. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. Well, I don't care if you're mad or not. No. <laughs> this is not going to feel, feel that good. And many times in life, disappointment may be inevitable but it's not a final. There's gonna be things that are gonna disappoint you all your life, but it's not a final. So when disappointment happens, don't lose your mind. It's not a sign that God has abandoned me. God has left me, it's over. 
if the Lord loved me, he wouldn't let me go through what I'm going through. Shut up. You talking baby talk. Real world. Real life. Life is filled with disappointment and with discovery and with trial and with deliverances and blessings. With, that's why the, we don't have a flat earth. We've got hills and mountains and valleys and peaks and low places. There are low places even in the low places and it gets lower than the low. It's life. Stop acting like you're the only one going through life. It's life. And what Jesus says to the disciples real quick, he says, hold on. Don't be afraid. We're going to deal with this. And the best part about it is Jesus doesn't say, and, and I'm, I'm glad he doesn't. He doesn't say, don't fear. I'm still with you. He doesn't have to tell him that. See, you're still looking for another reassuring word. He just said, control your emotions. But you want him to say, because I'm still walking with you. You need more words to your sentence. Jesus said, I'm here, ain't I? Stop looking for some grand sentence that's going to give you all these encouraging words. Encourage yourself. He says, control your emotion. Don't let the enemy get you down. He says, don't fear. Don't fear the disappointment. It's going to happen, and we're going to deal with it. Number three, number three. Number three. These are all in the text. I hope you can see that. Number three. Starts in verse 36. And, uh, and if you read down there, um, let's see. Let's go 36 through, through 40 real quick. We'll do real quick. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of synagogue, chill out. Verse 37 says, and he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Let me look at somebody now. Say, neighbor. Everybody can't hang with you when things get tight. Okay, yeah. Everybody can't hang with you when things get tight. Sometimes you just got to, you got to pare down the crowd. I don't need everybody down there right now. You're handling my business here. Look at, come on back, come on back. Then he came to the ruler of synagogue, the house of the ruler of synagogue, from verse 38, now saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. So you got to know, they screaming and carrying on. Okay. When he came in, they hollering. And he said, why y'all hollering? The scripture actually says, why make this commotion and weep? And now he blows everybody's mind. This child is not dead, but sleeping. Look, look at somebody now say, neighbor, it may look like a dead situation, but they're just sleeping. I don't know. I feel like hollering. I'm trying to make hold my peace. But verse 30 gives, verse 40, the beginning of it gives me my, my peace here. And they ridiculed him. Hold the press. Stop right there. Don't fold 
under derision. Don't fold under derision. You know what the word derision means? Huh? Adversity, that's a good one. Huh? Confusion. I'm going to go one better. The word derision means criticism. People talking about you. Now, like I said, I'm sure if you go back, look at some of those old Jake's videos when he had to explain his daughter's situation or read her book about her situation or read his explanation about what happened with his son or read, read prices that dealing with his, his wife's issues. Thank God all those situations have come out blessed. I'm sure you go back and read in the comment section, people be talking, shoo, 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 shoo. I thought you were a man of faith. I thought you had all this power. I thought you had an anointed. Why can't you take care of your own household? Why can't your house be healed? Why can't your daughter be wild? Why can't this happen? Why this happen to you? What's going on in your life? Look over here. Shut up. But let me tell you something. Have you noticed that neither Price nor Jake's made any kind of major public response to the critics? Y'all ain't got this. I'm preaching in here tonight. Ooh, watch you preaching, boy. Because sometimes that ain't your place. Jesus goes forward to handle the miracle. I ain't stopping with this foolishness. You know, I, I love Kevin Hart. I think Kevin Hart's got a good heart. I think some of his comedy is, is really hilarious. Some of it is kind of a little bit beyond me, but I think he's a, a hilarious guy. But the more he went on his, uh, his tour trying to explain his statements before the Oscar, the worse he made himself look. And I'm a Hart fan. I ain't going to stop watching him because of that. But, but you got to understand, sometimes you just got to shut up. Let folks say what going to say. Just be quiet. You made your statement. God bless you. Peace out. You know, you, you, at certain times, critics going to criticize. And here's, here's the real lesson tonight. I know y'all want this lesson. You want this lesson? You want this lesson? Here's the real lesson tonight. Watch this one. Watch this one now. Would you, would, you, would you preach with me right now? Would you look at somebody real good? Look them in the eye. See them in the eye. See their eyes. Say, neighbor. They criticize Jesus. Who do you think you are? They were ridiculing Jesus. I'm blessing somebody right now. Because, see, you just get over it. Just get over it. People going to be people. People going to be people. I, I can't tell you what they're going to say or how they're going to take anything you do in your life. But people going to be people. I've heard more uh, comments about Lady Gaga and that fella singing. More speculation. Everybody and their mama done watched the video 59 times of them singing at the Oscars. I think that thing got millions of views already. People gonna be people. People talk. Matter of fact, some of the talkers might be you.
They ridiculed Jesus. They ridiculed Jesus. Don't, don't, don't fold. You know, some of us are folded up like a cheap suit. Folks start talking about you, you be all on the ground, in the fetal position at the house. I ain't coming out no more. Everybody don't like me, they talk about me. You want to call mama? Charlene be bugging Miss Latisse. <laughs> Miss Sally! <laughs> Help me! <laughs> Okay, my time is up. Last point. Last point. This is four points. Four points tonight. The last one, and I'm done. This is good stuff tonight. Last point. Notice what happens. They go into the room. Just look at what he says. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Last point is this. Don't fragment under disaster. Don't fragment under disaster. Fragment is a similar notion uh, uh, of, of fold, but it's a little different. To fragment is to fall apart. Mind you now, husband and wife walk in to the room where their dead child is at. He is seeing his dead daughter for the first time. When he left last time, she was at death's door. When he walks in this time, she's dead. When he left last time, she was breathing. When he walked in this time, there was no breath in her body. When he left last time, she had a pulse. This time, she has no pulse going through her veins. She's dead. And the hardest thing in the world to do is to look at death. It's easy when somebody is at death's door or somebody just sick, but it's hard to walk in and see death face to face. I've walked in with many families over my time. And at the sight of a dead loved one, I've had to catch people who would fall out seeing somebody they love. I walked in with my arm around people because I knew that they wouldn't be able to handle looking at death because the sight of death will make you fall apart. And somebody here tonight, you're looking at a dead situation in your life. And you want to look away. You don't want to look at it for what it is. You don't want to look at it. You don't want to see what's really going on. You don't want to see the truth. You'd rather act like it ain't happening. You'd rather act like it's not real. 
But sometimes you've got to look at death. See it. Look it in the eye. And not fall apart. To not look at it is not healthy. To not deal with it is not going to bless you. To not walk in your reality is not going to lift you up. Sometimes you've got to look at a dead thing before you can call it back to life. If you don't think it hurts to look at a dead thing, then you've never been around death. If you look at it, I just want to close with this. God is still calling dead things back to life. God is still doing what the scripture says, great and amazing things. God is still doing great and amazing things. God is still calling dead things back to life. God is still making it over again. And I trust him. I trust him. And guess what he does? He doesn't call her by her name. But she calls her by who she is. You're, you're a little girl. Talitha Kumbe, damsel, arise. I'm calling you back into life, into who you. Come here, girl. I got a God that still restores. God still restores. God restores. God restores. God restores. God restores. God restores. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 God restore. That's it. That's it.